Peace be to you. In the Cabo Marino. Let us begin with the question. Welcome to Curiously Catholic and Evangelion Production. In this podcast, we're going to be picking the brains of Catholic enthusiasts and trying to get the bottom of how to be truly Catholic in these contemporary times. My name is Dominic Melgeri, and this episode we have Hemi with us, and we're going to talk a bit about his faith and his culture, being someone who is Māori. How's it going, Hemi? Not too bad. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm saying your name right? Hemi. Yeah, Hemi's right. Fantastic. Yep. Um, do you have like a, an interesting last name as well, or is it just... Uh, um, my surname is Ropata. That's just the um, the Maori rendering of the word Robert. Not not too interesting. But my middle name my middle name is Waringa Ahika. Um, and depending on where you're from, it's either the name of a place or it means um, like a sharp blade. Oh, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, so. You, have you been, uh, as we start off every podcast, I'll start with a question. Have you been Catholic your whole life? You're a cradle, you're a convert. How did you get to where you are today? Because just, just to introduce you to everybody, you're a, you're a Myris seminarian as well, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. I'm um, about to start my fourth year. And okay, fourth year. Is that four of seven? Uh, probably eight. Okay. So yeah. halfway through, 50%. And uh, mm-hmm. just about that question, have you been Catholic your whole life or? No, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a convert. Um, I converted, I think, I think it was Easter 2014 I came into the church. Easter 2014, okay. I think I'd been Catholic for three years at that point, uh, convert mm-hmm. myself, Easter twenty. 11, 20, no, 2010, maybe? I can't remember. Uh, so yeah, can I. how did you, how did you, what were you before? How did you become a Catholic? So um, I was baptized Anglican. Um, and um, so my father's from Otaki, which is a very strong Anglican and also a very strong Catholic town. Um, and we were, we were from the, um, the Anglican side of the river and they were from the Catholic side of the river. Um, but we never really went to church growing up very often as a family. If I was at my grandmother's house on a Sunday, we would go. But other than that, it was not very often we'd get to church. Mm. And so yeah. what was your opinion of like going to church then? Um, it was boring, but I also recognized that it was something important. Um, so like if you talk to my mum, she'll, she'll say that I spent my whole life looking for God. Um, and I think even at that young age, I realized that there was something kind of special yeah. and true. Yeah. That's cool. So uh, are you both your parents Anglican and are both your parents Maori? Yes. Sir. Both my parents are Anglican, both my parents are Maori. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, it's funny because like the story you're telling is very similar to, to my life. My my parents were, um, well, my dad my dad's was technically Catholic, but he doesn't practice faith anymore. Um, but my mum was Anglican, but like nominally, and so I was baptized. I found out uh, two days ago that I was baptized when I was a baby um, in uh, America in an Anglican church, and then I was kind of I wasn't brought up Anglican, but 
because my parents were Anglican, I ended up having to go to church a few times, but I never really thought anything about it. But yeah, a couple of days ago, my dad sent me uh, my baptism certificate. Uh, so I've actually been baptized twice, just uh, just to make sure. Oh, cool. <laughs> but yeah, so you uh, you grew up uh, in an Anglican world, but like not necessarily Anglican yourself. Yeah, I grew up. So so Maori people are very spiritual and very religious generally, and we pray a lot. Um, but I never thought of it much more than that. Yeah, it was just kind of the general milieu of what was happening around me. Mm, okay. And mm. your your mum uh, sounds like quite a uh, faithful woman, saying that you were search you've been searching for God your whole life. Uh, what's her What's her evidence for that? <laughs> I don't know. I know. I never did ask her about that. She she said it a couple of times. Oh yeah, and uh, so uh, you you went to church when you were at your grandma's house, and um, yeah. was that often or like once a month or? Um, it was probably a couple of times a year. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We we uh, get called uh, C of E Catholics. Those who only go Christmas and Easter. Um, mm-hmm. But it's all CV is also an acronym for Church of England. Um, mm-hmm. So, a couple of times a year, but like you, you, you felt this connection towards. You thought it, you know, you thought it was important. So, did that come through into your everyday life? Like, if someone challenged you about the belief in God, would you just be like, ah, oh, whatever? Or, um, I would actually. I, I, I would be pretty. Um agnostic about it i guess like you you can believe what you believe i'll believe what i believe and we'll we'll just kind of get get along yeah yeah um but i think i think deep down inside i knew that there was something that there was something important and in, in faith mm, whether mm. or not yeah whether or not i practice it publicly was yeah, yeah less yeah. yeah yeah so um how old were you when you converted to Catholicism? Um, I was 20, I was 30, 29 or 30. Yeah. So what, what brought about that decision, that change in your life? <clears throat> so um, I was walking down the street one day and I thought to myself, I should go to church. And uh, I'd never been to a Catholic service or Catholic mass. So I thought, well, I'll find the biggest Catholic church I can. I'll slip in at the back and then I'll slip out and no one will ever see me. No one will ever notice me. So I went to the cathedral here in Auckland. Um, it was the, I want to say it was the second Sunday in Advent. Um, and I I had never felt that kind of peace before. Like I felt like this is exactly where I was supposed to be. Um, yeah. And so I just kept going really. Like, but this is, this is cool. I enjoyed that. I'm going to go back. Yeah. Why did you yeah. choose the Catholic Church? Um, because I'd never I'd never been to a Catholic church before, and I'd heard that they were kind of weird and kind of there's some strange things that happen. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I remember the first mass I went to. I mean, like I'd been to Anglican services, but I never paid attention to them. But the first mass I went to is when I was in a university in Wales. And my friends were Catholics, so I went there, and it was just the weirdest experience ever. It's like, how do they know what to say? It's like, this guy at the front says something, they all just respond in one drone altogether. 
And I was like, this sounds like, looks like brainwashing. And I was like, vowed never to go again. Little did I know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I found myself at the 11 a.m. mass at the cathedral. And that's one with all of the incense and all the yeah. bells and all the singing. All the... And I remember thinking, like watching the altar servers and just thinking there are so many moving parts. How does, how do they know what they're doing? <laughs> um, yeah. It was, and it was, yeah. It was. It's a very busy altar, and yeah. that that's what I remember. Yeah. So, uh, you you, wait. You started going to the cathedral every Sunday at eleven o'clock because you found this piece. Did you end up entering into some sort of Catholic community? Did you have any friends that were Catholic already, or was it just you on your own? No, it was me on my own. All right. Yeah. So how did you? I uh, um. Okay. Yeah, at the time, I was working at the university. So pretty soon into that process, I went to see the chaplain there, uh, Father Bernie. <laughs> I used and, to work um, for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he told me to just keep going, keep going to Mass, see what happens. And so I did, yeah. Did you enter into any, like, you know, uh, community, Catholic communities, like, or, like, start making friends with Catholics or? Not really. Um when I when I got into the RCIA process, we did. But in those first couple of weeks, um, yeah, it was, it was very much on my own. Okay, so how how off, how long did you go before you decided actually I'm going to go and get baptized and everything or confirmed? Well, so what happened was I I, I kept going kept going to masses every Sunday, and then I found myself at the <clears throat> sorry at the um, that. Midnight, mass, midnight Christmas Eve mass, and and I just watched all of these people go to the front to receive communion, and I remember thinking to myself, I don't know what's happening up there. Like mm. there's something awesome and amazing happening in the Eucharist. I don't understand it, but I know I want to be part of it. Um, yeah, so the next time I was at church, I introduced myself to the to the priest, um, and he got me involved in the RCIA process. So that must have been what was it, second week of Advent? Must have been must have been two or three weeks actually. Mm. Kind of been very very long. Well, so yeah, so two, after two three weeks of going to the cathedral every week, you at Christmas were like, "This is it." This is it. Yeah. Okay. When I when I think back on it now, yeah, when I think back on it now, it seems like it was much longer than that. But the timeline seems to suggest it was two or three weeks, which sounds funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I suppose, yeah, you know, the mass is timeless, so you're kind of in, it, in eternity as well. <laughs> um, so how long after your uh, – so when did you get baptized? It was that Easter, was it? So, um, so I'd already been baptized, and I had all of the paperwork, so I didn't need to be baptized. That Easter, I was confirmed and had First Communion. My goodness! So, like over a period of months, you decided to be to for you went from completely agnostic, didn't really care to I'll try this out, and then I'll be a Catholic, <laughs> and then be, yeah, become a Catholic. Yeah. Oh man, that's insane! That's insane. But uh, you know, when it's when it's right, it's right. And so then you were you like one day you were walking through Ponsonby and you thought I'll just pop into this seminary here, see what it's all about, and then you signed up or what? No, that was. So, pretty soon after confirmation, I was at Mass one Sunday, and I was watching the priest giving out communion, and a voice said to me, you know, you could do that. 
And I said, I said, no, no, absolutely not. No, no, that's, that's just, that's too much. I'm not going to do that. Um, but like the idea had kind of been planted. Oh, wow. So how, yeah, when, when was that? That was after your confirmation? You got someone? That was after confirmation. Yeah. yeah. And you heard that. So how far after? Was it like a week after? And then you were like, okay, I need to start coming. It seems a fa- it seems <laughs> um, your faith like journey it, happened really quickly. I feel like it was, a, it was probably within a month. All right. Okay. And so yeah. from the seed being planted a month after you were confirmed, was it the end of the year that you were applying or? No. Um, so I, I fought God. God and I had a big fight about it and I thought I'd won. And <laughs> the, the, the voice kind of, kind of subsided a little bit. Um, and so I just kind of carried on with my life, going to church, being part of communities um, yeah, I, one, one of the things from my conversion that I realized was how much of a gift God had given me. So I promised, promised myself and I promised God that I would dedicate my life to serving the church in whatever way he wanted me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I got a job working as a sacristan at St. Benedict's Parish. And so I was part of that community for a, for a little while. Um, and then one day, kind of out of nowhere, the priest said, we, we should send you to the seminary. And I said to him, uh, I've actually been thinking about it. We should have sit down and, and have a good meeting about it. Which priest was that? That was Monsignor Paul Farmer. Okay. I've never met him. I've heard his yeah. name, though. So... Um, that's cool. Uh, what were you doing? So you said you're working at the university. You know, what were you doing there? So I was I was running the bookshops at the universities. Okay. So oh, both right. at AUT and uni. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so when you were a sacristan, were you still doing that part time and stuff? Yeah, part time. Did you find your like life outside of church changed at all when you decided to make this move? Was there any like extra difficulties or did you feel like you were walking on air for a bit or so after oh, so we're talking about after confirmation uh, yeah I guess like you, after your decision like you know you felt that peace in mass and you were like actually I'm going to do this yeah. and then the lead up to confirmation and then after yeah I felt a real consolation that whole time like I you know it was a little bit like walking on air I no. felt God's presence everywhere. Like I could just see it and feel it and know it. Um, and then there was one day um, that was the Ash Wednesday, the year following. It just disappeared. Like I couldn't see God, couldn't find God, couldn't hear God. Prayer was just like yelling into a void. It just disappeared. Um, and so I had to work through that. Shoot. So yeah, what did you do? Um, like, like I suppose because you obviously you had that experience prior to that, so that you're like, I know that God is real. But how long did that yeah. desolation last? Um, I felt I feel like it went through pretty much that whole year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was, it was a real battle, and it was a real fight to try and find find God. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, so yeah, what did you what did you do? Did you have any techniques that you used to find God? 
Well, what I what I kind of realized, what I kind of figured out was that what I had had before, that consolation that I had before was unusual and it was not <laughs> the normal way of living. Um, and it was, it was a special and, and it, was, it was special and it was a grace. I mean, it was exactly what I needed. But now I kind of had to grow in my faith and I had to figure out how to find um, how to find God and, and how to find grace mm. with the training wheels, basically. Yeah. So it's a bit like moving out of home, just finding you, you're just finding your feet and like, like you said, the training wheels are taken off yeah. you need to work this out yourself, yourself. Yeah. What, what came out of that? What, um, did you, what did you learn from that? Um, I, I think I found, I, I learned to trust God. Like I learned that even if he's not, even if I can't see him there, I have to know that he is there. And so there's a certain trust that comes with that. Mm. Yeah. I think that was, that was probably the biggest. Um, I also learned how to pray when I don't want to. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I don't feel like praying, um, but I know that there's a, you know, there, there's something good in praying when, when you don't want to. Yeah. 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 I had a, uh, we had one of our episodes last year with Matthew Tague and like one of the big messages that came out of that for me was, um, that the objectivity of prayer, it's, it's an objective thing. So doing it will, um, like praying will have an effect whether you feel it or not, you know? And I, I found that's quite, yeah. quite, quite consoling. Um, so yeah, you learned to pray when you didn't feel like it and, uh, you grew up a bit. And so was this, yeah. be- this was before you became, entered the seminary? This was before I entered the seminary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and you came through it and then you had this conversation with Monsignor and you were like, how did that conversation go? And how long was it from that conversation to entering the seminary? And is he, is he a Marist? Is that why you went the Marist or? No, he's not a Marist. He's a, he's a diocesan priest. Um, so, so we, we sat down and we talked about, you know, different ways of being a priest. Um, he talked about the, the diocesan path. Um, we talked a lot about working in Maori missions, um, and so, so he he said the Auckland Diocese does a lot of work in Maori communities. Um, the Mill Hill missionaries are still around, kind of. You know, you can talk to them; they've got a very strong history in the Maori missions. And he said you should speak to the Marists because they've got a long history. Um, and I didn't want to be a Marist. The Marists were at the bottom of my list. Yeah. Why didn't you want yeah. to be a Marist? Um, nothing. So, so just for my like my basic understanding of what being a Marist is, nothing of it really jumped out to me at the time. Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, because they're traditionally they're teachers, aren't they? they? Work in schools and stuff. Teachers, yeah, teachers and, and um, missionary work. Yeah, yeah, and that didn't that didn't tickle your fancy at all. Yeah, and and. Granted, I didn't have a very good understanding of it, but also like just the spirituality of, of the Maris didn't mm. kind of jump. Where, like where, where did Mary you see yourself? Um, at the time, I, I saw myself as a diocesan priest. Yeah. Okay. And how how did you make that decision and that discernment process? So I I made contact with the Marists, 
um, and they had just had a come and see weekend, and it was the last one of the year, so they weren't taking any more applicants for the following year. Um, so I I had a year and a half basically of just um, just meeting with a Marist priest once a month, once every couple of months, talking about like my spiritual life, um, talking about my vocation, talking about discernment. And the more the more I spoke to him, the more and the more I kind of understood what it meant to be a Marist, the more that idea grew in me. Um, so there's the idea. So there's there's a phrase that we use, hidden and unknown, which really spoke to me. Um, at the time, I thought it meant you kind of make yourself small and hidden. And um, but what it actually means is you need to make sure that you're not an obstacle between the person and Jesus. The way that Mary always points to Christ, that and she never gets in the way. Um, and that's kind of the idea of being a Marist is, is always um, bringing people to Christ and having as little impact on it as possible. Yeah. Mm. So the more I spoke to them and the more I kind of understood what it meant to be Marist, that the more that idea of becoming a Marist it became more and more um, appealing to me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, yeah, yeah. It sounds really cool. I, I, Cause I didn't know about that. Morris, like I've never quite understood the Morris vocation. Um, just, I've known what they've done in the past. Um, cool. And you mentioned uh, the Mill Hill missions and Maori missions. And was that something that really piqued your interest because of your background? It was. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I really wanted to work in the Maori missions. Um, I still do. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, and this kind of brings me on to the second part of our uh, conversation is like to talk more about um, not just you as as Hemi, but you as uh, a Maori who uh, has come into this quite, you know, I guess people view Catholicism as quite Western uh, because of like, you know, Rome being the head and uh, it being in English and such like. And, um, I did do a bit. I've done a bit of uh, study into uh, Maori history um, with my degree. We did a two-week Maori intensive, and I like, you know, it kind of. I grew. I grew uh, quite fond of. Like, I've always been really interested in like different cultures and like. Uh, since New Zealand being in New Zealand, hearing more about Maori has always been fascinating to me. Like, I love the museums. Um, but I find one thing that I find that is beautiful about uh, Maori and even Pacific cultures is the the kind of um, ritual and the routine and the uh, the passing down of traditions and stuff and like I wonder how does that fit into Catholicism nicely because that's kind of the same sort of thing or is it is there a lot of is it quite a, quite difficult especially with your parents being Anglican as well. Um, so, so for me personally, I'm actually really good at kind of sliding between cultures. So, like, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, it's easy for me to be in a Maori context and then switch to a, to a European context. It's, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, the other thing I've kind of come to know, come to realize, is that it's really hard to separate the person from that culture. So, to ask, like, you know, what is it? What are the Maori things of Catholicism is actually kind of difficult to answer because 
it's hard to know it's hard to it's hard to identify the parts of me that are that are Maori and the parts that are uh, that are Catholic. Right, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so so generally, what happens is I will in a in a in a Maori religious context, I will be Maori and religious, um, and I'll, I'm very comfortable doing that part of it. Um, and then the like the mainstream religion part of it, I'm very comfortable in that too. What's an example yeah. of like Maori religious context? Like, what kind of things are you referring to there? Um, so, even even in the Maori Catholic Church, it's very much based around the marae. Mm-hmm. So we, um, um, being on the marae, having evening prayer together as a community, um, at being in Maori, uh, singing in Maori, um, it's it's quite different to any other kind of um, mainstream. Uh, things that I've done, mm-hmm. yeah. So, like, it, it could be for any reason, really. Being on the marae, um, even even social events will stop at some point in the evening for um, for an evening prayer, mm. and that's 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 you know that's that's very normal in in that context. Mm. But it's quite unusual to try and do that anywhere else. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I mean, even in in my own life, I've been trying to create like a culture for my family, uh, just like mm-hmm. my 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 small family unit. And like, because um, me and my wife come from very different backgrounds, we're trying to create our own. And like, there is no there's no precedent for it. Whereas I suppose like in, in with your Maori side of things, there is a precedent, but it's a Maori precedent. And then with Catholicism, it's a different one. Uh, but like, yeah, it's cool yeah. that you can slip between those two things. Um, would you say that, like, um, I guess, looking at like uh, the Maori culture, like, because there is that there is that commonality in prayer, or like that that central yeah. point of prayer within Catholicism and within like Maori culture, and is like, is that a good connecting point? Yes, it's a very good connecting point. Um, I think the, the concept and the ideas around whānau and whanaungatanga, being family and community, those are those are good kind of points of contact. Um, uh, things like hospitality, Christian hospitality and Māori hospitality, that, that's very close and very similar. Um, I think Māori ideas of what of the human person and what's important and and our relationships to one another and mm-hmm. how that relates to the you know Christian anthropology and the idea of what what's a human person and where does it begin and where does it end and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So there there are lots of um, points of contact where it, it it can work very very well. Yeah, because I, I remember I um, went to a talk with Father Merv Duffy and he talked about is it is a Faka Papa is that the genealogy. Yeah, and he and he showed this picture that Pompeii made, and he showed how that Catholicism has its Fakapapa that leads back to Jesus. Uh, I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen that. Um, is that is that a is that a um, is that a really like useful tool for Maori people to understand the, 
Catholic Church, or is that more like, hey, we can do this too, <laughs> you know, kind of thing? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, um, so when that um, when when Bishop Pompelli was going around with that, it, so it was called the True Vine, and when Pompelli was going around with it and 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 showing it to Maori people. What Maori people were able to do was say, was to put themselves within the whakapapa of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Genealogies are all about how our relationships to other people. How are we related? How how are we connected? Um, and the power of of Maori people being able to say, oh, "I'm connected to Bishop Pompeo," and so then I'm connected to um, basically to the Pope and then back to Christ, all of that was really, would have been a really powerful evangelizing tool. Um, yeah, I don't know how we, how, how do we, how do we bring these two things together so that we have a, uh, like an integrated Maori Catholic church. I think that's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a lot of like discussions and figuring mm-hmm. things out. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think because um, I think there's this concept of um, like Western religion or Western Catholicism is that that colonial thing and like the old style of colonialism, which is, you know, I see, you know, I come, I see, I conquer kind of like I, I, you know, we, we take over and then we make it ours and they do what we do, which, you know, definitely happened. It was completely atrocious. But like, I think, you know, yeah. nowadays is that there's a, uh, and I think New Zealand was the beginning of this, a, a, a desire to, to start working with rather than at people, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so we have to be a little bit careful with that, like, colonialism idea, because when missionaries, like all Christian missionaries, landed in New Zealand, Māori was so hungry for the gospel. Um, they, they recognized something in it. Um, that, yeah, they recognized how important the new religion was. And then you, you, you see that. So like, like even back to my grandmother who um, was a very devout Anglican, um, you know, she, she was very happy with the way that the church was, but there have been through the years um, ways that the church has kind of minimalized indigenous representation and the way we do things. And we do it our way. We don't do it your way. Mm. Uh, and the, the New Zealand church has been very good at trying to overcome that uh, and overcome that history. I think we're a little bit hamstrung by the fact that we don't exactly know what we're doing. Like it's, it's hard to change when we don't know what we're changing to because we haven't quite figured out what it means to be Catholic and Maori. And we haven't quite figured out how that, um, how that applies to everybody else. Yeah. 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 It is an interesting one. And like, cause you know, I, I've worked in like ministry in the Auckland Diocese for seven years at the at the chaplaincy, and um, it's one thing that I always wanted to do. But me being from England, like I didn't. I I'm starting from scratch. You know, people brought up in primary school know a few Maori phrases and a few Maori songs, and I didn't know anything. And uh, it always made me cringe when it said, "Okay, let's have a Maori mass once a month." And it's like, to who? <laughs> you know, it's like who who's who's mm. Who are we making feel welcome here? Because I don't see any Maori people, you know. And um, but then I, at the same time, I sit. Sometimes I see people do some like really good things, like uh, 
just doing like I say in Hamilton a bit as well, like where the mold is used in the mass just casually, not as a ceremonial thing. Like you know, they we're doing it now. So have you seen this? You know, uh, more of a uh, uh, bilingual kind of mass. Um, yeah, yeah. No- normalizing it is a good start. It's mm. a good place to begin. Normalizing Tereo, um, normalizing some of the easier concepts. Um, that, yeah, that's a good place to start. But we kind of need to know what's what's our end goal. What are we trying to get to at the end? And yeah. we haven't quite figured that out. Yet. No, I mean, yeah. it's not been done yeah. anywhere, has it? <laughs> and again, it can't be done anywhere else. So we, we have to do it. We have to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, mm. I, I mean, from the little that I've known of Māori culture through, you know, that one week intensive course, it's like it seems that Māori, and you kind of touched on this earlier, is like the the Māori people, like culture and the people have a lot to offer in terms of like the Christian life. Like they've got that hospitality, they've got that um, value of the human person, of family, of lots of Christian values. And so it seems like a an obvious match. Um, mm. but I suppose, what do you see as a few of the uh, stumbling blocks, I guess, that Maris people trying to avoid, you know? Um, I honestly don't know. Um, and I've been thinking about it for a little while. I'm not sure. So there, there does exist a very strong Maori Catholic, uh, I'll rephrase that. There, there are very strong Maori Catholic communities around New Zealand. Um, and they are based around the marae and they're based around whānau, they're based around families. Um, and that's quite insular. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very difficult for outsiders to come into that, and it's hard for the out for for the families to go out from that. So I think that's part of the part of the issue is that we've just we've just become very insular. And um, exactly how we break out of that, I'm I'm not I'm not so sure. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it'd be difficult. It's difficult trying to like maintain an identity and a culture and integrate into another culture. Uh, like you see that in Auckland all the time, where you've got people, families straight over from the Philippines or India or wherever, and they're bringing up their kids, but they're sending them to Kiwi schools, and their kids are being like, "Oh, so your parents don't do that? Or oh, you don't have to do this?" And then you see these. Um, I've got a friend, and she's got like four or five siblings, and you can see like her being the eldest. Uh, the difference between her and the youngest is kind of like she's quite integrated into a culture, has a strong identity of where she, the country she came from, and her uh, the youngest is kind of like ah, I'm not really even from there. I'm a, I'm straight out, out and out Kiwi, no uh, mm. connection, no ties at all, and like you know, so it's, it's kind of sad that that's been lost. Um, you see it a lot in the UK as well, um, and it's one of the things that I've loved about Auckland of meeting these cultures. And even though they're not in their country, their culture hasn't unraveled. Um, but yeah, I, I can see the the concern uh, of you know Maori people is like you don't want to you know be diluted too much. Eh? Yeah, yeah, and it's hard because there are there are lots of Maori people in the cities and Maori Catholic families in the cities, and are we losing them? Have we lost them? Do we not? You know what are we what are we doing to 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 maintain those relationships? Mm. Yeah, 
and 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 to do it in a way that's integrated that, that that's well integrated and um is um honest and yeah allows the person to retain their identity um that's 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 really hard mm, mm. like yeah i because i suppose um i had to do for this um this intensive course i had to do my own pepeha and I was trying to find mm-hmm. it, so I was going to bring it. I can't find it. I'll have to record it and send it to you. But, like, it really just um, it opened my eyes to where I was connected. And, like, you know, I, yeah. you know when it asked me for what my, who my chief was, you know, I was kind of like, okay. And I kind of put, like, uh, Jesus Christ for that. And, you know, like, I guess uh, I think my community or something, it was asking. And then I put the Catholic Church. And, it, you know, answering it honestly meant that I had – uh, I had these two these two lives, you know, because I'm a bit of a mixed mixed bag myself. I'm like Italian, German, Irish, English, American, and now I'm in New Zealand. And so, you know, when it's asking my mountain, I was like, I don't know <laughs> which country, because um, I also spent a lot of time in Wales. And so, you know, I um, you know I found the closest mountain to where I grew up as a kid, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember hiking that. I never thought of it as a mountain or even my mountain, you know, the land that I came from. And I feel like there's so much healing in that, that like a lot of people get a lot out of. Um, mm. But I suppose you like, even in the gospels, you have the concept of Fakapapa, like in the beginning of Matthew's gospel. And there is um, an importance even outside of Maori um, life to um, knowing where you're from. And knowing that, I guess that ultimately leads back to Jesus. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you've been you're fifty percent way through seminary, becoming a Marist. Yes, and yes. Uh, I suppose then being a uh, kind of missionary kind of order. Um, are they good at integrating that kind of cultural aspect? They are. Um, so we've had, so, so in the history of the New Zealand Catholic Church, the Marists have been in Maori missions right since the beginning. And so we've always had men who have been very well integrated into, into the Maori, uh, communities. Um, and that's continued right up to today. And so those, those men that are still, um, in Maori communities, they're very good at being able to integrate um, what's happening on the marae and what's happening in the families to the way that the um, the way that the society operates. So yeah, in New Zealand, it's actually quite good. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And like, have you uh, in your studies and in your faith formation, have you come up a lot of uh, come up against anything that kind of like um, I don't know triggered your like Maori science? I don't know if that makes sense or how do I articulate this properly? Uh, there is. Um, so here at the seminary, we have a um, oh, what's the word? We have a relic of Saint Peter Chanel. We have uh, Peter Chanel's rib bone, um, and in the Maori culture. Uh, what we call tupapaku, the, the remains of the dead are incredibly, incredibly sacred. And so it does kind of have that sitting in our chapel. Um, it, that was a big kind of jump for me to have to reconcile that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. And it was strange. And I, um, I don't really think about it too much anymore, but yeah, just having like the remains of the dead just kind of sitting there yeah. was, was, was very strange. When you say when you say the sacred, uh, in in what way? Like in, uh, do you reverence them or do you? Um, it's it's top of so it's um, so it's always set apart. So the idea with tapu is that um, there's like the world of light that we kind of work we live in, and then there's the world of the dead, and those two worlds are very closely bound together. You always you you you. You stay in one, like we walk around in the world of world of light, the world of life. Um, but in the presence of the dead, that world kind of comes in, and you want to try and keep them as separate as you can. So when you're when you're in the presence of the remains of dead people, um, you're you're in this strange kind of midpoint where you're not quite alive and you're not quite dead. Um, yeah. I don't know if I'm explaining that well. Well, no, it sounds like it's hard to reconcile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, growing up is part of your Māori, uh, like, heritage. Did you see, so, like, I guess, like, you know, family members dying or people that you knew dying, like, was that was all done in a very Māori ritualistic yeah. way. And so mm-hmm. was, it, was Peter Chanel's rib bone the first relic you've ever seen? Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, mm. was your initial reaction like, we need to bury this? <laughs> or um, No, see, because of the thing where I can, like, flip into Parkhill world, I, I recognize it for what it was. Like, mm. it's it's this thing to be reverenced and to be, um, yeah, so I, I, I knew that, but I also struggled with it on the other side. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, I guess so you just had to dichotomy inside yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I kind of settled on the fact that it's in the chapel, it's in this holy place, and it's a holy thing, um, and it's a tapu thing, and so it's okay there where it is, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, because it isn't like a, a reliquary and such like. It's, yeah, it's in, a, it's in a reliquary and mm. it sits to the side of the yeah. But I think, yeah, I think the Catholic Church has lots of weird things like that. And I think relics is something that most people are kind of, you, you, you do what? <laughs> you know, um, it's like, oh, yeah, I've got the, the part of the shin bone of St. Catherine of Siena. It's like, why? why? <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I mean, I haven't really understood it. I mean, like there's, um, I guess it's kind of like you see people like rock stars, like, Throw their t-shirt into the crowd, and someone keeps that. It's like, oh, that's really cool. You know, there is a connection there with with people. Mm. Um, but yeah, then we get into the whole conversation about you know the dead and them being alive in Christ with in heaven and stuff. And I suppose that gets a bit yeah. a bit beyond anything I could comment on, at least. Um, so you you struggled with relics is there anything like like theologically that he's kind of like has it made a lot of sense to you or you had a deeper connection with because of your your culture um not really mm-hmm. nothing, nothing that i can think of um no aha moments 
Um, so, so you talked talked before about Papa showing up in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was that was a bit of an aha moment, like because we, especially in the liturgy, we kind of like just skim over it. It's not very important. We're not, but let's actually read it and then recognize what it was. It was it was a Papa and how how was um, Jesus related to within within the, within his Jewish culture, and then how am I related to that? And that was that was a um, that was a pretty important kind of realization of how do I fit in into the into the Catholic Church, mm. and that happened pretty that happened pretty early on. That wasn't yeah. something that I was was really cognizant of. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, is there anything that like you feel that your that the, the Maori culture can offer to the church um, that can like fits in well or like it's like actually if the church did this which the Maori people do that would be really cool as well there is um there's a so when jp2 came to auckland and he said mass at the auckland domain he um in his homily he basically went through all of the things um and and i don't have it here and i can't pull it up but he, he went through a, basically a laundry list of all of the things that are within the Maori culture that the church can learn from and that are um, that are very uh, it's, it's a very powerful um, homily and I, I, I invite everyone to look it up it's on it's online it's on Vatican Definitely website he, and yeah, he, he, he goes through all of the um, all of the things that multi people do that are good and Christian yeah mm, that's beautiful yeah well yeah I guess we could look mm. that up and like we can definitely learn from that as, as Christians and like maybe help uh use it as an evangelism tool in a sense like mm. i remember uh, uh so when i when i first came to new zealand i was working in the waikato and i wanted my boss was maori and he did a kapahaka group and then when i started working with the chaplaincy i didn't meet anyone maori for for years and then i finally met some person i got far too excited and I, they just I just scared them away <laughs> i was like you're a maori tell me more <laughs> and they were like no walk away <laughs> but um yeah i think you know, um, doing that uh, intensive course on like Maori history in New Zealand, it was a real wake up call for me. And I think it's something that it's it, if it's not tapped into by Pakeha uh, or just anybody that's moving to New Zealand, it's 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 a missed. It really is a missed opportunity because you learn so much about yourself, even through you know like doing the pepeha and understanding Maori people's culture a little bit more and like being able to realize that this isn't a an alien culture it's a very human culture um and like we can share in that we're, we're all people in the end of the day we all come from someone and come from somewhere and um yeah, yeah we could enter, integrate that into our faith yeah i think it's also it's really important to acknowledge that our the church in new zealand is going to be very different than it was one or two generations ago. If you go into any parish now, you, you look around, you see Filipino families and Indian families and Pacifica families. Um, and so our, our church has to reflect that. Mm. But also we have to, our church also has to reflect the Māori, um, the Māori in New Zealand as well. Um, mm. And that's, we, we have to figure that out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, 
Have you uh, experienced like uh, different liturgies, like the uh, Latin Mass liturgy versus the Novus Ordo liturgy? And like, do you think there's um, anything more? Which one's the most Mari <laughs> or anything? Um, I've experienced both liturgies. Um, yeah, I think we have to be a little bit careful of yeah, badly worded question. Allocating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have, be, we have to be a little bit careful of like just slapping mouldy things onto things and saying, "No, it's not." Um, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Paul VI was really big on that. Like, that has to be a deep um, conversion. Mm. Um, yeah, I suppose. I guess it would. Uh, you know, yeah, like I said, a badly worded question. Um, but, yeah, I think it's one of those things of, like, you know, the Catholic Church is human and there are so many different rites. And, like I said, Maldives aren't an alien culture. They're, they're just humans. Mm -hmm. And so I guess there'll be some Maldives people that'll be like, I'm going to Latin Mass. And there'll be some that'll be like, I'm not. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah, I think... Because um, I, I do feel like, especially... Um, because like my my first degree was in um, a bit of anthropology, and um, I really one thing that I love is like discovering other cultures, how they work, what makes them tick, and why they do certain things. And there definitely is uh, one thing I didn't like about the degree is it academic uh, makes it too academia, and so all of a sudden you're looking at them as if they're aliens, and you know you're putting them in a test tube, and like if I poke here, what happens? You know, it's like. No, 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 no. Let's let's integrate and work out and live amongst those people. And uh, as Pope Francis, you know, the shepherd should smell like his flock. And um, in New Zealand, there's a, definitely a Maori element to that. But as you said, there's Indian, Filipino, uh, a lot of Latin American kind of vibes going on. But yeah, I think I think we'll bring it to an end there. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Um, no, not really. No, I'm pretty happy. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I've really, I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I actually, it's inspired me to, because uh, I, I think there's always a risk of like, you know, saying like, okay, we're gonna have a, a Maori language week, and then that week will be Maori, and the rest of the week we'll just leave it alone. But like, I've, I do feel like this is a conversation that needs to be explored on many levels. So hopefully, I'll have a few other yeah. guests, and maybe even get you back and uh, talk a bit more deeper about it because um, I, th I really feel like there's something here to be ha to uh, behold and to, to learn from for us all. So thank you for joining me, Hemi. And uh, thank everybody thank else. Thank you for, for Yeah, thank you everybody else for listening. Uh, I really appreciate that conversation. And uh, for those of you listening, this is a Curiosity Catholic podcast, part of an Evangelion venture. And if you enjoyed this and you want to get more, please do subscribe and give us a good review because it helps and uh, if you want to get behind the Evangelion mission, uh, go onto our website and look at evangelion.co.nz. Find out what we're all about. Look at our blogs, watch more podcasts, and uh, you know, get involved. We've got lots planned for um, you know the future, and uh, we want you to be part of it. So please uh, like, share, and subscribe, and we will see you in the future.